Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Fender Bender on Joy 94.9 Revving up the weekends with news and views on all things motoring Oh yes, welcome once again to another edition of Fender Bender My name is Tim Nicholson, I am mega happy to have your company today Big thanks to Luke and the gang for Cricket Critical Hit Rather, not Crickle, Cricketal Hit, because that would be a whole different show Critical Hit, they will be back next week I've got Mike and Matt in the studio, we've got lots coming up So we're going to get into it very, very soon We're talking safety tech with the head of ANCAP Which is Australia's Crash Safety Authority That's Nicholas Clark coming up in about half an hour uh, We're going to talk about some sporty Audis and Maddie B drives a beluga whale which we will explain a little bit later we've got heaps coming up on the show so make sure you stick around this is fender bender i am joined of course by the lovely mike costello hello hi how are you i'm well good good yeah. and we've got the maddie brogan in the studio again hello timmy hello I can't believe I've been back twice in like two months. I know, it's pretty exciting. It is pretty exciting. It doesn't normally happen that quickly, does it? No. We've all been spending quite a bit of time with each other in the (laughs) last few weeks as well, doing lots of different events through our jobs, which is always lovely. Um, But you guys have been having good weeks, busy weeks. Busy, but very good. Yep. Yes. You've been doing lots of bike stuff, you were saying. Yeah, lots of bike stuff. Yes, yeah. yes. Including injuring my, my fingers in chains and stuff. You know, It's true, listeners, we can see course. an actual injured finger there. <laughs> yeah. um, but we will be doing a bike show at some point this year, I promise. Yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yay. Yay. <clears throat> and you've been doing lots of events, but you've been a bit of a sicky lala. I, I had know. a shocking flute this week. <clears throat> as you can still hear the, the proof, the, yeah. the vestiges in, in me. Um, but no, I had a great week. I, mm. I got to. I was very privileged to to play with a number of very high end exotic cars this mm. week. It was one of those weeks where everything that you touch is something expensive and mm. rare and the sort of thing that I could never actually afford with my own money. So <laughs> any week that happens is a good yeah. week, and we'll talk more about that later, of course. We certainly will. And then the next week you'll probably be touching a Mitsubishi Mirage or something. Like that. <laughs> Every time I see a Mirage, it's my rule. I have to go up and touch it. Sometimes the owners get a little weirded out, but, you know, that's just my thing. It so. can be seen as creepy, but I support it. I support mm. it 100%. Now, we're gonna, we've got a bit of a safety bent today. We're going to be talking to Nicholas Clark, who is the CEO of the Australasian New Car Assessment Program, which we'd probably know better as ANCAP, and they're the ones that do all of the, uh, the, the crash testing for the cars that we get. So any car you buy, whether it's five, four, three stars, hopefully four or five, preferably five, but whatever, we'll talk about that later. Nick uh, is going to tell us about autonomous emergency braking and why they are pushing so hard for that at the moment uh, for car makers and for consumers to to ensure that their cars are fitted with that safety technology. So we're going to have a chat with him about that and a few other things as well in relation to some recent... Uh uh, Less results. than stellar test results. Yeah, mm. exactly. So we'll uh, we'll get the inside goss on that. Uh, but first up, we've, we've had a bit of sad news this week. That uh, did you guys see? Obviously, the the mm. massive explosion in Tianjin in China. Unbelievable! If you haven't seen the footage of this explosion, there's, yeah. there's footage all over YouTube of it. It looks like the end of the world. It is staggering, isn't it? It's like I don't, apocalyptic. It, it's like a Terminator movie. Yep. It, it it is just beyond belief. Yeah. 
Really, really sad, actually. And I think there's about, I think it's up to 80 people now confirmed dead. And well, anyone that was in the vicinity would mm. be. So yeah. it's a matter of just working out how many people were near it. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, really shocking. And of course, there is a bit of a car angle because mm. there is that really eerie footage of just mm. burnt out lots of cars almost as far as the eye can see, which gives you an idea of the scale of this thing. Yeah. I think what, this is going to sound a bit strange, but a lot of the images, because a lot of the cars were Volkswagen Beetles, the new Beetles, and they're such a happy car, they're such a fun car, you know, they've got that reputation. And to see this apocalyptic kind of scene of all of these Beetles, but like dead, it's, it's quite a weird thing to look at. Um, but they, were, they weren't the only cars to be, uh, I guess, to, to be in the bloody explosion. I can't even talk today. Um, there were heaps of Renault Colioses as well and a bunch of Land Rover Discoveries. Um, but there were no... So I think it's Haval is based there. I think they have their headquarters there, who they're the SUV mm. um, brand of Great Wall. They were spared, apparently. Well, now. I know. Interesting. Yeah. So, but, uh, yes, there might be a bit of a delay on your Colios if you're in China now. If you're listening in China, to Joy 94.9. I hope you are. Oh, It'd be amazing if we had a Chinese audience. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. Let us know if you're in China. 0427 or email on air at joy.org.au. Um, some more happy news, though, uh, this week. There's been a bunch of reveals this week. I guess the biggest, guys, would you say, is the C-Class Coupe by Mercedes-Benz. The sexiest C-Class Coupe ever. I'm just putting that out there. Ooh, it's not yeah. exactly a tough mantle to hold <laughs> I, mean, I know but I'm besotted with that Are you? yeah I think it's gorgeous I love yeah. the C-Class in its current iteration mm, yeah. and the coupe follows that trend um, it's it's a bit like the sedan looks like a small version of the S-Class sedan yeah, yeah. well the C-Class coupe looks like a small version of the S-Class coupe yeah. which is one of the sexiest cars on the road it's got this sleek round styling a higher belt line a very Ooh. clean and uncluttered design it's definitely uh, it looks like a more comfort focused Grand Tourer yeah, compared yeah. to the BMW 4 Series, which is probably a bit more honed and sporty. They're definitely going in different angles. Um, but in that $60,000-ish range, mm. it's just the sexiest bit of metal you can possibly yeah. get your hands yeah. on. I agree. I think I'm going to stick up for the Audi A5 and say that's a pretty sexy thing. You know, it's that that's that design away. has really yeah. stood the test of time, I and it shows because it's got very classic lines. Yep. And and, this, and the C-Class is the same, very simple classic mm. lines, not too much going on. It's all about proportions and stance, yep. and that stuff is timeless. Yeah. It's why cars from the 60s still look amazing today, because they're mm. not trying to overcomplicate. Yeah. And I really love the fact that we've got three German coupes at the moment that all follow that sort of ethos. Yeah. And you can't and, and really different, as you say. All of them are really different and serve very different purposes. But where the C-Class is particularly good is the cabin, of course, because the yeah. C-Class sedan, you know, the coupe obviously has the same interior design, different seats. It's obviously a bit more pokey inside because of its design, but the same uncluttered floating dash that the current one's got, which yeah. really just moves the game forward. Or you could take a look at the Lexus RCF. <coughs> Oh, I, do you know what? I like the Lexus RCF. Really? Yeah. I'm a big fan because it's not, it's not so brutal and it's not so hard that it's it's just a lovely cruiser. I, I would own a, I an RSF. It is totes awkward. I, I'm a nana. You see, I, I, I don't know. I, when, when I look at Lexus and I see that it has to put these really ridiculous grills on its cars. And, and I know why it's doing it. It's trying to sex up its design. It's trying to be in your face and bold and edgy. But when you're... You know, design is so passe that you have to put on super stylish extras. You're kind of missing the mark. Mm. You shouldn't have to put on these wild things. Design should be a good design. It's innately nice in its most basic form. And like you said, Mark, it's just not going to age well. You know, you're going to look back at that in five or six years' time and just go... 
Ooh, what yeah. were they thinking? Well, speaking of Lexus boys, we have to bring up, uh, I think it was released yesterday, the facelift for the big LX, is it 570, which mm. is their huge SUV that's based on a Land Rover, uh, sorry, Land a Land Cruiser 200. Yeah. They wish it was based on <laughs> Um, and look, they have done the the big gaping spindle grill, um, and it is the most Darth Vader esque of all of their cars. Yes, well, just like the LX five seventy is the biggest Lexus, mm. it obviously has the biggest grill, <laughs> and that is really saying something. Because if you've seen the way Lexus is going recently, mm. it's all about the grill. Um, it's quite interesting because that car's most obvious natural rival is Infiniti QX eighty, which is the Nissan Patrol based luxury version for that brand. They're both Japanese luxury brands. They're both based on you know big SUVs from mm. their parent companies and they're both hideously ugly yeah. so they've both got three very big things in common it's really yeah, um, it's and it's really a battle uh, to the bottom between those two if you ask me it is isn't it I should put my claws away but <laughs> never <laughs> it's a joy 94.9 <laughs> um, and we will be talking about that was the beluga whale I was uh, alluding to earlier listeners so uh, Matty B will be taking us for a little bit of a spin in uh, that behemoth a little bit later Lexus also uncovered the, the full facelift for the GS we saw the GSF a few months ago that looks good yeah. you know I, there's nothing to see there really i think it's just a simple facelift and it looks like an is but chunkier but the most interesting part is the fact they fitted that new two liter turbo engine Mm. and that of course is rolling out across this entire range it premiered in the nx lexus was really slow to jump on the turbo bandwagon it was persisting with these thirsty anemic old small capacity v6 engines which are just outdated in the modern age they don't work if you want to participate in europe with their really tough emissions you've got to have small turbos the 2-litre turbo in the Lexus is a great unit, and they're finally rolling it out. It's in the IS now, yeah. it's in the GS now, the ES, the NX, it's be the, in the whole RC? range. It, it'll be know? in the RC, yeah. yep. And I want it in the Corolla, damn it. <gasps> Could you, you know imagine? What? How awesome would that be? Yeah. The new Corolla, the just updated Corolla hatch, is actually a really underrated little car. Yep. Not underrated, I mean, it sells like hotcakes, <laughs> but no, 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 in terms know. of critical circles, it's yeah. kind of looked down on, but it's actually a really well-rounded decent car and if it had an engine like that yeah my god well it's got a sport button <laughs> okay so <laughs> that I mean, always helps it does always Let's help it. it does always yeah. help um a- another big reveal this week guys was the uh hyundai vision g which i think is um a, a precursor to a-, a genesis coupe is my understanding um now this thing for me uh and i urge you to go to a computer and have a look at it dear listener because it's a very strange looking thing i think it looks like a ford mondeo at the front and then some kind of bentley or something at the rear it's a very odd looking thing. I think Hyundai's lost its way, frankly. Yeah, right. Uh, I think Hyundai's made a number of decisions recently that I won't go into now. It's too lengthy that really puzzle me. And I think Hyundai is on the precipice of world domination. Yeah. And it's making a few really odd missteps. And I don't know whether it's just, uh, you know, some some sort of skittery behaviour as it doesn't quite know where to head from here, what it wants to be. Does, does it want to be luxurious? Does it want to be sporty? Does it want to be mainstream? I don't think Hyundai knows. And it mm. keeps coming out with this kind of grab bag of design and yeah, this car didn't move me at all. And, yeah. of course, the Genesis Coupe is going to be its flagship model. And uh, this car is really important because it's going to set the scene for the rest of the entire model yeah. range. It's going to be the halo car when it emerges as a production car. And they're going to have to make some tweaks, I think. I think it- you've just hit on something there, too, when you say that it's you know looking towards the future. Obviously, with the title of, of Vision, of course, it is a look to the future. But it, it, it'll be like some of their previous examples where if you squint really hard and just sort of imagine five years' time, you, you will see elements of it come through. Um, mm. Thankfully, probably not the whole thing. But, you know, <laughs> you, you will see yeah. some of those little styling cues start to to appear in more mainstream models. And, yeah. 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 Let's hope so. Anyway. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> let's hope they don't adopt the entire thing. But um, we've got a lot more coming up very, very shortly. Uh, so we will be back in just a few moments. So make sure you stick around. 
Yes, you are listening to Joy 94.9 and the, t- the television show? Wow, I'm not even drunk. The radio show, you, <laughs> you say you're not drunk, drunk, but I don't know. <laughs> Is there any evidence? <laughs> um, now, yes, we've, we've, had a, we've had somebody texting in, I believe, Mike. We have. We put the call out before when we were talking about the, the horrible incident in China that we'd love to hear if we had any listeners in China. And we had a, a, a message from Nick, who's listening on the app from Hong Kong, not mainland China, but part of it. Well, there you go. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nick. Wow, thanks for listening. <laughs> I know. I'd love to go to Hong Kong. I've never been. Me neither. No, only the airport. Oh, really? Did you, did you, did you fly into the old airport with a crazy Never, landing? Unfortunately, no. No. Oh, like, no. Yeah, What's shot. that? Well, there used to be this really famous airport in Hong Kong that you kind of flew through the buildings. It was a really freaky Jump airport. Jump on YouTube, dude. Yeah. Shut it down. Awesome. And I never got to fly in it, and I'm really disappointed. I'm okay with that. I don't need to do that. <laughs> but we digress. Yeah, we do, we do, we do. Um, now, this week saw uh, the launching of something that I already thought had launched, but it turns out it hadn't, and that is uh, Audi's sporty brand, Mike. Yeah, so this is a bit of a puzzling one. Um, Audi invited me to Phillip Island this week to go and talk about what it calls Audi Sport. And I sort of didn't really know a whole lot about what to expect. I guess I kept my mind deliberately quite empty because I really was curious about what it, what the hell is Audi Sport because Audi has S-Line, it has S5s, it has IRS models, it, there's already sporty Audis, it has race cars. It, so, so what exactly is Audi Sport and how is it different? And anyway, uh, Audi globally has chosen Australia as one of two pilot markets, so test markets, for mm. what it calls Audi Sport. It's a new sort of sub-brand. I guess you'd call it Audi's equivalent version of what AMG is to Mercedes-Benz. And it's, I guess, the public face of, of Quattro GmbH, which is the company responsible for all their sporty stuff hmm. and so Audi Sport encompasses not only the RS range so RS3, RS4, RS6, 7 the whole range but also motorsport activities so the Le Mans race, the Enduro cars whatever other activity it's up to hmm. and all your accessories and merchandise and all that other stuff so Audi's really trying to make people think of it as a performance oriented brand I guess you know, the perception of Audi at times in the past has been it's a bit safe, it's a bit conservative, mm. you know, whatever. I guess Audi's really trying to sex up its image. And, and one manifestation of that is there'll be 15 dealerships in Australia that are dedicated Audi sports centres. So you go in there, you've got a salesperson who's really trained in the product. They've got display cars, they've got merch, they've got a whole uh, range of RS things that you can talk about. And, and I guess it's really a marketing push. But it's quite interesting that Australia is one of only two test markets in the entire world. Mm. And it's reflective of the fact that Australians disproportionately buy really sporty cars. And it's not just Audi. I mean, we're going to be a top five in the world market for Audi RS cars next year once the RS3 hot hatch launches. You see this happening with AMG. You see it happening with the Golf GDI. Across the board, we buy a huge number of really high-end sports cars. And the fact that we're being chosen among all the world's markets for this mantle is, mm. is pretty cool. That is pretty exciting. This happened before with, was it Volvo? Did, uh, I've tested the Polestar, which is kind of going to be their, you know, sporty sub-brand, I yeah, guess. Well, that Volvo a, yeah, well, Volvo also launched in Australia first. And yeah. I think Australia's seen as a good test market because mm. it's quite small, it's quite manageable, but it's also quite affluent. And mega competitive. And it's far away enough that if you stuff it up, no one's really going to notice, <laughs> um, if I'm being cynical. Um, but no matter no. what, you know, it, it's really cool. And I think Audi... You know, the RS6, the RS4, the RS5, all these cars are every bit as cool as the AMG Mercedes-Benzes and the BMW Ms. They might not get the credit that the others do. Audi's got such a good legacy in Group B Rally, in, mm. in, in Enduro Racing. It's won Le Mans 
you know, a peerless number of times. It's a really exciting brand that doesn't get the recognition that it sometimes deserves. And I think Audi Sport is a way of, I guess, pushing that. Mm. And, you know, I went there this week with a pretty open mind and I came away pretty impressed by what the company's trying to mm. do. So, hey, the more sports cars Audi wants to do, the better. I heard them talking about their red rhombus and I thought it was something into- <laughs> completely different and I was very disappointed to realise it was their logo. Um, but, no, it is, uh, it'll be good, interesting to see how that works, actually. So, we'll kind of keep our eyes on that one. Um, and you were also electrified this week, weren't you, Mike? I had a fairly electrifying experience yeah. um, on Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know. It all blurs into one. Um, I, I was lucky enough to join Tesla Motors, the uh, hottest property on the global automotive scene. Uh, I spent the evening with a bunch of uh, owners and prospective owners, so people who are on the cusp of buying a car but just want to test it first. Mm. And there was a couple of hundred people there. So really? rest assured, Tesla's doing very well in Australia. Gee. We know what it's doing. It's rolling out its charging network. It's got a bunch of new models on the way, the Model X, the Model E. All this exciting stuff is happening. But this week it was all about the P85D. And the D signifies uh, it's kind of equivalent of all-wheel drive, the electric motors on each wheel. Um, as opposed to the sort of rear drive current Teslas, I guess, that are floating around. Mm. And it just improves the performance. And it's a staggering car, the P85D. And we had four people in a car. We were on Avalon Drag Strip, so the airport. We were pulling zero to 100 sprint times in, you know, way under four seconds. So low three-second marks, which is a McLaren F1 territory in a big family sedan with four Mm. people. And it's an electric car. And what it's doing is it's showing people that, Electric cars are actually performance cars too because all the torque is available from zero. Mm. And it's an almost alien experience to drive. You normally drive an internal combustion car and it's a bit slow off the mark. The mid-range kicks in. You get that surge of torque arriving at a certain point in the rev band and away you go. But the electric car, from zero, it's all there. Mm. And it just pins you in your seat and makes your guts fly through your mouth, (laughs) figuratively speaking, in a way that is unlike anything else. It's completely alien Mm. to me. And, you know... The amount of cars we drive, we have a pretty good grasp of what a fast car feels like. Mm. And nothing feels like the Tesla. It's unbelievable. And you can probably do it more than half a dozen times without having to take it back to the service department. (laughs) (laughs) There was one P85D that was doing the job all day. People in and out of it for hours and hours on end. There was another one doing a hardcore slalom test all day. Wow. Really aggressive driving. And they were completely fine. Free of squeaks, free of rattles, no mechanical issues. The range is as good as it can be. It's a really well-engineered product. I saw no evidence of anything less than perfect with the cars. And, you know, I've spent a week in the past with a Tesla and it blew me away. Mm -hmm. And I know that some people might think, you know, it's a startup brand. It's a small brand. How Mm. good can it really be? Who knows, maybe in 10 years we'll all, all look like idiots for loving <laughs> Tesla. But right now, yeah. there is no evidence that it's not yeah. genuinely delivering the goods. So, it's, so it's a the, remarkable bit of kit. Yeah. And as far as branding is concerned, it is it is the apple of automotive, Definitely. isn't it? Yeah. You know. it, it, it's cool. It's well engineered. Yeah. And it is just a pleasure to drive. You know, it, it's fast. It's comfortable. It's quiet. It's mm. It's got all the tech and all the features. There's, yeah. there's really nothing not to like, no. you know, provided you've got the means to charge it. Yeah. It is a fantastic car. It, it is. Yeah. It is a wonder. It's, it's interesting, though. I mean, they've got a model rollout. I think the next one is going to be the is it the Model X, so the SUV. Do we know if this thing's going to have any actual off-road capability or are they just going to kind of go, <laughs> no one's going to use it that for that purpose, so... I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I wouldn't have thought it would have too much. No. Nobody takes X5s off-road or mm. any of these high-end off-roaders. I'm sure Tesla will say there is some ability there. Mm. But with an electric car, you're not going to go out too remote, are you? I mean, 
Well, it's not the sort of car that you'd buy. You're not going to replace a Jeep Wrangler with one. So yeah. I'm sure there'll be some some ability there, but yeah. no one's going to use it for that. Let's be honest. Pretty cool way to get the kids to the soccer, though. Uh, totally. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's keeping those. So for, there was a concept a few years ago, and it had the do- doors. I don't know what they're called. The Falcon Wing doors. That's the one. Yeah. So yeah. production I believe, car's going to have them. Yeah. yeah. The full I, supercar, yeah. exotica style doors. Yeah. But how will that work in? So the car park that you and I both parked in today, Mike. Like if if you parked in a lower section of that, like the roof was lower. Don't, they reckon they've got that covered. They, really? They, yeah. They, I was actually chatting to them. They said that. It's all very carefully done. The angle that it actually swings up and out mm. and the height that it actually sits at once it's stopped should get into most 2.1, 2.2 2 metre really? car parks. Yeah. yeah I which, look forward to putting that to the yeah, test. Yeah, yeah likewise. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's going to be a bit of a challenge for them. But um, fascinating company. And, I mean, everyone's a bit obsessed with old Elon Musk at the moment. He's, uh, he's quite the trend. He really guy, is the true life Tony Stark, mm. the inventor of PayPal. Uh, run he runs SpaceX space shuttle company that contracts to NASA. He you know is chairman of a massive solar conglomerate, has the world's biggest battery plant, runs mm. Tesla. Like he's a modern day marvel of yeah. a guy, and um, you know it's pretty amazing what's going on yeah. in Silicon Valley at the moment. He's a little bit Steve Jobsy as well, isn't he? But maybe not as you know not as many skivvies. <laughs> well, it's, it's a hot climate in Palo Alto. You, know? yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta yeah. undo the layers. Take the damn skivvy off. Um, anyway, you are listening to Fender Bender. We have got a lot more coming up very shortly. We're actually going to be speaking to uh, Nicholas Clark from ANCAP. Uh, so, if you've got any questions, he is the head of the uh, Crash Testing Authority here in Australia. If you've got any questions, oh four two seven joy nine four nine or email on air at joy.org.au. We're going to talk about uh, different safety standards and different safety technology. So, make sure you stick around. This is Fender Bender. And today we are joined on the phone by the very lovely lovely uh, Nick Clark, who is the CEO of ANCAP, the Australasian New Car Assessment Program. Nick, are you there? Yeah, good afternoon, Tim. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks, and a beautiful day in Canberra. Is it? Is it glorious? Absolutely beautiful, I yeah. I suspect it's always glorious in Canberra. Absolutely. We've got a surprisingly nice day here in Melbourne, so uh, obviously we have in the studio, we've got the blinds down because we're not used to it here, so uh, <laughs> it's just yeah. too much. It's too much for us. Um, you're a busy man, Nick. You've uh, you've had a pretty busy week, obviously, uh, with the ANCAP, uh, the announcement from you guys that you've got a, a bit of a tie-in or you've got support from the Australian Medical Association. Um, th- th- this is in relation to the autonomous emergency braking. You guys have had a bit of a campaign, I guess, pushing car makers to to look at a wider uh, release of that in their vehicles as well as consumers to look at it when they're purchasing a car. What does this support from the AMA mean to you guys? Well, look, it's, I think it's a, a great thing for the AMA to join with ANCAP in the campaign, avoid the crash, avoid the trauma. Um, it's the doctors that are often right there, uh, you know, sort of near the front line when, it, when the injured people come into hospital and they have to uh, have to treat them. So we asked the AMA, headed by uh, Professor Brian Owler, who's the neurosurgeon from Sydney, familiar to many up this this part of the world, uh, for his uh, appearance on the Don't Rush advertising campaign with the New South Wales government. Mm. Uh, so they're, they're very happy to support uh, initiatives in car safety, like the introduction of AEB. Excellent. Fantastic. And and I guess, uh, what are the benefits of AEB for the listeners out there, the, the autonomous braking? Um, what could this avoid if you have this um, equipped in your vehicle? Well, look, the, the new AEB systems uh, operate right across the speed range from the slow city speeds to the higher highway speeds, but also the new systems pick up pedestrians and cyclists and the like. Uh, 
I think the beauty of it is that um, when we're driving, we all make mistakes from time to time. Uh, we're humans. Uh, we, we drift off, we think of other things, and we don't want to be the situation if we make a mistake, then we'll end up either killing ourselves or some other uh, person or injuring uh, ourselves or another person. So the system sits in the background, uh, and uh, hopefully it'll never be used. But in an emergency, uh, if a crash is imminent, the system will intervene and stop the car for you, which I think is a fabulous technology. Mm. And we'd like to see it in every car. It is starting to come in some of the cars here in Australia, but certainly not at the rate we're seeing overseas. Mm. And we're still seeing many cars that have... Uh, it's, it's either standard or available across you know, quite a range of their variants and, and either not available here or only on the very expensive variants that... Mm. We certainly want that to change. There seems to be a slow trickle of, of more entry-level cars. I think it's the Skoda Fabia um, yes. introduced it standard across the range. I think the Polo, Volkswagen Polo, has got it as optional um, and on higher-end models, I think, standard. But uh, is that what you're looking for, is for this to be rolled out, regardless of uh, the price point and regardless of the segment it sits in? Well, I think for most of the major manufacturers now, they've got the system developed. We, we acknowledge that the systems are very costly to develop, uh, but this technology does go back quite some time now. Uh, some of the higher-end uh, makes have had it for six, seven, eight years or more. So uh, because it's uh, covered by most of the uh, the manufacturers and the unit price now is down to just a couple of hundred dollars, we would rather see people being offered that sort of safety built into their cars uh, as opposed to, um, you know, paying for it and then also getting your alloy wheels and leather seats and your nine-speaker stereo. And we do see that happening quite a bit, that you can only get it on a higher spec and spec vehicle. You might have to pay another five, ten or, or more thousand dollars to get the technology. We don't we don't think that's a good thing. So you were suggesting maybe car makers look at, um, because a lot of them, are, especially the Europeans, I guess, are doing these options packages and they bundle safety in together. You think this should be potentially standard, um, whereas uh, more luxury or comfort features keep them as options and that's up to the, the consumer as to whether they choose that. Precisely. And safety should never be an option. Mm. Safety should always be inbuilt into the car. I mean, no, nobody wants anybody, and manufacturers don't want people killed in their product. Mm. But sadly, this thing, this sort of thing happens. So we will get it standard in cars at some point. How long, I'm not sure, but we need to keep banging the drum to make sure that consumers are aware of it. Next time they go to buy a car, they can ask for the technology. We want fleets, government fleets, corporate fleets, everybody to, um, to put their hand up for this sort of technology. Actually, that's a good point. Is uh, Are you guys pushing the government for that kind of thing to make it standard, and have you had much of a response from government agencies? Well, we've had a great response from government over time. You're probably aware, Tim, that um, most of the... Well, in fact, all of the governments in Australia at the, at the major levels, uh, you know, the, the state and federal government levels, they, they uh, all have five-star ANCAP ratings for their uh, fleet vehicles, and so do the major corporations. You'd, you'd go a long way to find a corporation that didn't have a five-car ANCAP safety requirement for their fleet. So we would like to see them uh, lift that standard to include AEB. It, it probably isn't an appropriate standard to have today because we don't have enough cars. But mm. if they could perhaps say to their, um, their, the manufacturers from, uh, from whom they purchase their cars, saying, well, we will be requiring it in a year or two, that will encourage the manufacturers to put it in. The manufacturers have been terrific. They will put the, the technology in the cars if there's demand. So we think our job is to make sure that there's the demand and then everybody's happy and everybody's that little bit safer. And what is the barrier to that? I mean, as you say, there are a lot of car makers that have already got this technology. They've been using it for a long time. Why aren't they just putting it in there now? 
Oh, look, Tim, you'd have to ask the manufacturers <laughs> that. I don't know. There's any any number of reasons, but if it can be on a little skater Fabia, and, and before the VW Polo, of course, there was the VW Up, which mm. I think was probably the cheapest car that had AEB as... Uh, well, I've got... Don't quote me, but I think it might have been standard, but it certainly was optional if it wasn't standard on the little BW up. Um, and so if you could put it on a car at a price point that's sort of you know, mid, mid-teens, then I, I don't understand why it can't be at other price points too. But, but again, that's a question the manufacturers need to, to answer. G'day, Nick. It's Mike here. G'day, Mike. I just want to take it on a slightly different tack. We saw uh, a safety test uh, released this week uh, on the Chinese-made LDV V80 van. Another yep. subpar rating for a Chinese car, only two stars. Yes. And, and we've seen Chinese cars sold here for a number of years, and we've never seen one get the five-star result that is fast becoming you know, the, the expected result for any new launch. Does yep. ANCAP have a fundamental concern about the fact that while we sort of at the very beginning of the imports of cars from that market might have cut them some slack, is it disappointing that we still aren't seeing the Chinese brands meeting the standards that we expect of, of cars coming from other markets? Well, I think it's diff- disappointing when any brand gets a, a low rating. I mean, particularly these days, uh, you know, we there are a huge number of new cars on the market that get five stars already. We do raise our standards every year and they're going to get tougher and tougher in the next couple of years. But You'd think in 2015 um, that we would have five-star cars right across the board, uh, or those that miss out only miss out by a whisker. I do acknowledge that the van that we tested during the week uh, has a bit of a heritage and it's perhaps an old design, but why are we, uh, why are we relying on old designs? Um, all cars should be aiming for that high spec, and when you're getting a low rating these days, I just don't think that's acceptable. But the market then is expecting at least four, you know, five stars. So the market tends to buy those sort of star ratings, particularly five. And some of these cars don't sell as well as perhaps the the manufacturers would like, but I think that's just the market saying that uh, they're not interested. And it's an interesting point, actually, Nick, because we were seeing a lot of light commercial pickups um, getting, you know, five-star ratings. I mean, it's un, it's odd for one of the new um, youths to come out to not get a five-star rating now, which is terrific. They're obviously being used as family cars a lot more yep. as well as being used as, as a work uh, vehicle. But vans seem to like to lag a bit in the light commercial sector. Why do you think that is? Uh, look, I'm, I'm not sure why that is. It's um, vans, well, well, like commercial vehicles, the sort of the traditional like commercial vehicles, if, if, if you know what I'm talking about, those that really are used for for work rather than for work and play, they uh, always had a much longer product life cycle. So in the market for a long period of time. And so generally, they were considered to be um, probably given some concessions. I know that uh, the Australian design rules give like commercial vehicles concessions in relation to the tests they have to pass to, to comply, but I, I don't think that should be the case anymore. If it's vehicles on the road, you're, mm. um, you're just dangerous as any other vehicle. So I don't know the motivation. I don't think there's anything intrinsically wrong with vans that make them unable to get to five-star. We have, or four even, we've got vans like the iLoad at four, um, people movers at five, that sort of thing. So I think... Really, the time is on us now to make sure all manufacturers produce quality vehicles, particularly when they're going to be used by um, by uh, families. Now, I think in the case of the uh, one of the LDV, uh, there's a new LDV model, I think, this year. I can't remember the name of that. It might be a G10. G10. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that has a people mover variant, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So there's another there's another car. I mean, we we, we haven't got plans at this point to test another LDV variant, but um, and I don't know what the specs are of that model, but 
again, you know, if that's going to be transporting car, uh, transporting people around, it would want to, it would want to come out uh, with a good safety record. Mm. So, uh, and I, look, I don't know if it will, but there's, we, we we do have a policy of making sure that we do test some of the new entrants. You'd be well aware that we've tested uh, Tatar and Mahindra and Great Wall and Cherry and Geely and all those brands. But the reason we do test them is that because they are often sold as attractive options because they tend to be lower priced. Um, but our survey, market surveys, show that consumers look at safety and price as the number equal number one uh, criterion when they're purchasing a car. Mm. So it might be cheap, but if it's cheap in the in a safety context, then our recommendation would be you'd stick clear of it. And Nick, uh, just in in some, if people uh, consumers are out there looking, wondering what they should buy or what vehicle has autonomous emergency braking, is there somewhere they can go to find that information out? Yes, absolutely. There's um, on on our website when you look up the uh, the ratings for the cars. If you look up the data sheet for each car, so there's a, a sort of a two or three page report for each car. All of the technology included on that model and on others is included uh, in that data sheet. So uh, the other option is that you can just call us um, on our uh, on our hotline, which is zero two six two three two zero two three two. Or there's an Ask an Expert facility on our on our website, and you can simply put your request into there. We take hundreds of calls, and we get hundreds and hundreds of emails. So we're only too happy to steer people straight when it comes to answering their questions. Fantastic. Well, hopefully we'll see a lot more car makers um, putting this technology in cars and keeping people safe. Well, I think so. You know, we do kill nearly 1,200 people a year, and there's something over 30,000 or 33 or 4,000 people seriously injured. And mm. Of course, that's a $27 billion cost to the community. Yeah. And, you know, we don't want to talk crass money at this point in time, but, mm. you know, it's a, it's a massive impost in social and, and human and emotional costs, and let's let's do the best that we can to get rid of it. Absolutely. Sounds good. Well, Nick Clark, thank you so much for joining us today. Much appreciated. Cheers. You enjoy the fabulous Canberra Day, and we will uh, we'll speak to you soon. Good on you, Tim. Thanks Wonderful. very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. That is ANCAP CEO Nick Clark joining us. We've got lots more coming up on Fendermender, so stick around. Hi, this is Kylie Minogue, and you're listening to Joy 94.9. I never get sick of that idea of Kylie Minogue talking to me. I mean, <laughs> telling people about... <laughs> Oh, she actually comes into the studio every time and live reads it. It's really kind of her. She's so cute. Uh, uh, can I just say, yeah. just quickly, having Nick on before was really great. Yeah. Um, ANCAP is a is a is a service that sometimes gets derided a bit. You know, it's been criticised in the past for being a bit unclear on some of its um, messages that it's putting out there. But having an independent watchdog keeping an eye on car brands, making sure they're making cars as safe as they possibly can, is vital. You know, you always see if you let corporations just run rampant with no oversight um, you can get into trouble we've got strong design rules here and we've got a strong independent body making sure that the cars we buy are as safe as they should be yep. obviously there's room for improvement and AEB is the next step cars yeah. that break themselves but it's really commendable what ANCAP does and it's not perfect but overall it's doing a fantastic job and having yep. Nikon before was great so I agree you know I urge everybody out there who's buying a car to go and check out ANCAP yep and, and I think I think one day we're just we're going to look back at this like we've looked back at you know stability control airbags yep. anti-lock brakes even seatbelts you know it, it'll just be like one of those no-brainers why, why haven't we had it yep. Yep. And, and the fact that car brands still to this day don't include safety tech as standard at times is outrageous yep. and Nick was right if Volkswagen can offer uh, autonomous braking on an up that sells for $13,000. The fact that it's not on sixteen, seventy thousand mm. dollars cars is mm. bullcrap and it's yeah. not good enough. And 
it's just like launching a car without airbags or seatbelts or, yeah. or anything else. If you have safety tech, make leather seats optional. Make yeah. sunroofs optional. <laughs> yeah, heated exactly. seats, all that stuff optional. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Don't skimp on safety. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we're going to start getting the message out there that brands need to change their tack. And if there's enough demand for it, facilitated by the likes of ANCAP and humbly the likes of us promoting it, then the you know the better it'll be. So absolutely, yeah. Yep. Keep us all safe. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, and we keep ourselves safe here at Joy ninety four point nine with fun in the studios. Um, safety's always fun. It is. <laughs> <laughs> safety's a hoot. Um, now, Mike, I believe uh, last week or the week before, uh, we the three of us went to Thailand and drove a big new SUV engineered and designed in this country the ford everest um you had a bit of a chat about it the other week um i just wanted to see uh, given the three of us there maddie brogan what your briefly what your uh, impressions of the big ford everest were Look, a, a, a very well put together and certainly well from the, the limited drive that we had a, a quite capable um mm. and i don't really want to use the term suv i i, I think i want to say four-wheel drive yeah yes um obviously you know having having used origins and, and and looking at its competitor base and so forth it, it is more than an suv it's mm. not just the family wagon it, it's a proper four-wheel drive um having said that i think it's a little bit expensive yes. i think it's a, a bit cheeky that was my impression when you consider the direct competition when the colorado 7 the isuzu mux the challenger the, that sort of thing it, it, it is a little bit overpriced and that, they're sort of putting it right up there against the prado and i think eh, maybe just wind it back a little bit guys you're going to struggle to get bums in seats i think wind it back a little bit and i agree to an extent but i think that that car is far and above the likes of the mux and the colorado 7 and the challenger is it up to the Prado? Is it ten grand you know? better? Well, no, no. I, I agree. <laughs> I think it should have a premium over those yeah, cars. Certainly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not so much the lower and mid-spec cars I have a problem with. Mm. Fifty-five to sixty grand is about right. Mm. It's about twenty percent better than the Colorado Seven. Yep. Well, it's hmm, even better than that. That mm. is twenty percent more expensive. But it's the top spec one at almost eighty grand, yeah. which is top-end Prado territory. And yes, the Prado is a basic, essentially Ute-based SUV at its origins, but it has been far more differentiated from its. Um, origin, its origins mm. than the the Everest has compared to the Ranger, mm. and the Everest, as good as it is, isn't an eighty thousand dollar car. So yeah, the pricing is very cheeky, and it's yep. the real one negative against that car. But oh, nevertheless, yeah. the fact that it was all designed and developed right here in Australia for the world yeah. is something to be really proud of. And just a calm, kind of hushed drive. I was really surprised about how refined that vehicle felt. I think, I think refined's certainly the word yep. for that car. It, yep. it doesn't feel like a truck. It, no. it, it drives very well. Yep. Um, and look, obviously they've left themselves uh, a little bit of space to play. There's there's certainly smaller engines that they could access. You mm. could you know get the two-wheel drive model in here a, yep. a lot cheaper. But... <laughs> You know, launching with a very expensive model when there's obviously a lot of competition. Mm. Is it the right move? I'm sure we're going to find out before the end of the year. Well, yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's also their strategy at the moment, Ford, is to kind of go with higher end or, or more well-specced things. And we might see them dialing it back and going, hang on, no one's buying them. So we better get a cheap <laughs> They're one trying in. to do a Mazda. Yeah. They're yeah. trying to do what Mazda did. That's a good Make point. its products yeah. slightly premium, yeah. and we're going to see in the long run if it works. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Now, moving on to another SUV, and we did talk about the Beluga Whale-esque proportions and face. 
of the Infinity QX80. Matty B, you've been in one this week. It is the A380 of the road, mate. <laughs> it, 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 is. it is just a whopper of a car. Yeah. It's um, I, I, I mentioned to Mike briefly when we were um, when we were sitting outside earlier. You have to turn off the lane departure warning system because it is just constantly beeping at you. Oh, this car is it's two meters wide, and I don't know you know what the standard lane width is here, but it is just constantly beeping at you saying, "Hey, there's a white line here," and I'm like, "I know there's a white line here." You're so fat, you're taking up the entire lane. And people are just giving you these looks as you're driving along, like, you know, avert your eyes, children. It could take on other forms. Yeah. It, it is not an attractive car. But having said all that, when when you are sat behind the wheel and you're driving that thing, it, you feel like the king of the road. It is fantastic. It, it goes like stink. It is so fast, seven and a half seconds to 100. Really? And it weighs three tonne. Like, come on, this thing is properly fast isn't it great that journalists don't typically pay for their fuel because <laughs> <laughs> i was getting to that goodness me um look and and with the, the hydraulic body motion control it handles very well like much better than it should mm. and look it's got all the gear in it but yeah like mike just alluded to you look at that fuel gauge and every time the taco goes up oh, the fuel gauge goes down really it is hideous it is just bit of a shocker yeah look i've, I've been doing mostly freeway driving okay. and i'm averaging 19 <laughs> oh, so wow. yeah I, I can't imagine with the horse float behind car oh. full of kids all your gear yeah. yeah. Of course, the Infinity suffers from the same problem that the Patrol does on which this car is based, which is in its modern iteration. It's designed primarily for America and the Middle East, and Australia is the only right-hand drive market in the world for it. And ergo, it's focused on petrol markets. It's only got a petrol V8 engine. Mm. Nissan never bothered putting a diesel in it because those main markets don't buy diesels mm. as a rule. So in Australia, where fuel is quite expensive, uh, every other comparatively sized car bar the Lexus that we touched on earlier mm. is a diesel mm. and it's a diesel for a good reason yeah. because in that sort of car the diesel makes sense and the QX80 being a petrol it's going to chew juice yeah, and and it's a shame because that it is a cracker of an engine. I it love is that so you love smooth. this car. I, I, love, <laughs> I didn't think I would. And no. and if you can approach it, you know, directly from side on, so you don't have to look at the front of it, and get in it and just enjoy it for <laughs> what it amazing. is. It is well, you know, behind the cool driver's thing. seat is the best angle of it. Yeah. It's well, like yeah. that line the, the when the Eiffel Tower was built, and there was a very famous French um, guy who hated the the Eiffel Tower and said oh. the best you know the best place in Paris is on the Eiffel Tower because it's the only <laughs> right. place in Paris that you can see the Eiffel Tower. It's the same thing with yeah. the QX80. And it's Ooh. very nearly as high as the Eiffel Tower too, yeah. actually. Yes. <laughs> now, because it's based on the patrol, though, I suspect you can take it off-road. You can, yeah. and I did. Oh. And it's really good. It's, really? It's, it's everything it should be. Um, the only trouble is that because of its physical size, you're getting a lot of bush pinch driving as you're trying to get down fire trails. And bush pin, I can yeah. imagine. I love that. Yeah. yeah. But look, it's certainly capable. Yeah. 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 Putting it up against, um, I don't know, I, I personally haven't driven an Alex Lex so I can't say what uh, I would think, but uh, have you had a chance to get behind the wheel? Of yeah, we, and, and look, it's obviously as as capable as the Land Cruiser on which it's based. Mm. Um, the only thing that, that both of the, the higher-end stuff tends to suffer from, of course, is the low-profile rubber on, on big wheels. If you are going to be spending a lot of time on dirt roads, you might want to reconsider, you uh, know, put some smaller alloys and some bigger rubber on it. But uh, apart from that, it, it's... Phenomenal, really. It's a bit yeah. cheaper than some of the bigger ones, I believe. Well, yeah, I mean, it undercuts the high-end Range Rovers and the high-end Mercedes GLs that are probably its natural rival. 
Reynolds um, is really positioned more as a Range Rover sport rival in terms of price, um, but it's a much bigger car than that. So, you know... There it's is 111 a, grand, and you, you get a lot of stuff in there's it. There's a certain yeah. value equation to, to be made there. I mean, mm. the biggest problem it's going to have beyond its obvious styling deficiencies and fuel use and, and massive drinking problem <laughs> is... Um, is the fact that it's an Infinity, and people still don't know what the hell Infinity is. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a brand that's it's, it's Nissan's luxury arm, like Lexus is to Toyota. It's trying to position itself as a proper, well-known luxury brand. Yep. Does some good stuff, but nobody knows what it is, mm. and that's a real battle, uh, especially when your car has flaws. So yeah. Infinity has a cutout for it. But I'm really intrigued, Matt, and I'm driving it soon too. So mm. I'm quite looking forward to driving it because yeah. I'm really intrigued by your thoughts. It actually sounds better than I, I would have given it credit for. Yeah, I think I, I come away from it after one or two days. Yeah. The, the, the same way, you know, I sort of had myself lined up for it and thought, oh, what have I got myself into? <laughs> Is there anything else I want to swap into this week? And after two days, I'm like, no, I'm not getting out of it wow. and you can't have the keys. Oh, yeah, it's she's a quite enjoyable. Yeah, she's a soccer <laughs> mum. That's what's happened. Yep. Um, very good to hear. Now, boys, it's time for us to get the hell out of this studio because the fabulous peeps uh, from Technogaze are coming up next, uh, Michael and the gang. So uh, make sure everyone sticks around, stick to your wireless on Joy 94.9 because there's heaps more coming up for the rest of the day right here in the Joy Studios. Mike Costello, thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. Oh, Matty B, thank you so much. Good to see you again, mate. You too. Yeah. Hopefully uh, have a safe ride home. I shall. Yes. Um, and we will be back next week at the same time, of course. So uh, please make sure you are listening then. That would be lovely. And if you want to hear our podcasts, go to joy.org.au forward slash Fenderbender. There's quite a few there and there's more coming up. So uh, that's me signing off for Fenderbender. Safe driving. This has been a Fenderbender podcast for Joy 94.9, Australia's first and only gay and lesbian radio station. See joy.org.au for more details. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.